Chapter 5. A. The ones you call asshole. Though narcissism is much more complex than just a synonym for asshole, and we do want to find our empathy for how these folks suffer, we do also want to be honest. Some narcissists are major dicks. It's so hard to find empathy for someone known for not having any, right? So hard. I know. I feel you. I just kind of try to stay the hell away from them. But you kind of can't throw a stone outside and not hit one these days. Maybe it was always like this, but we just never had a name for it. Maybe people are becoming more and more unhappy. I don't know. All I do know is that there is this special narcy breed whose acting out behaviors are mostly overt. These kinds of narcissistic behaviors are easier to spot. I think this chapter will validate a lot of what you already know about narcissism. Then you'll be ready for the more covert bunch that have been jamming up your shit at work, but you just couldn't put your finger on it. Let's do it. Number one, the bully slash asshole. This one is often the A higher up in the organization who has a super competent and seemingly saintly assistant or administrator. They're usually smart and they talk fast, loud, and a lot. They often think and act like they're the smartest in the room. Typical grandiose behavior. They interrupt during meetings and have big dick energy, regardless of gender. A lot are white. They're often openly misogynistic, racist, homophobic, etc. And they're way entitled and grandiose. This one's extra funny with Californians because I find them to be so much more fragile. You say, excuse me, in a grocery store to someone, and they react all butthurt like you just said, get the fuck out of my way, even though I literally was excusing myself. There's also this thing where they won't say the word no, for fear it will make them look like a bad person. So they just try to intellectually patronize you and cajole you into retracting your ask. I roll. If the bully catches wind of any of that, they exploit the shit out of it. If you do say no, they will flat out ignore it and ask multiple times. They may also paint you as selfish when you try to ask for something reasonable or try to set other boundaries. What to do? Stay the hell away if you can. These fuckers blow. As in, they tantrum. They yell. They threaten to fire people, sue people, beat people up. Whether they can is another story. They yell. They threaten to fire people, sue people, beat people up. Whether they can is another story. Their behavior is unpredictable and therefore emotionally dangerous. Many people try to buddy up with the bully at work, only to find themselves eventually on the receiving end of the bullshit. Stay off their radar if you can. Pretend you're shy or something. Do your work, and if they come at you, 
have a line ready that is boundary setting in a non-threatening way. I can communicate with you better when you lower your voice. I'm happy to help you. I just can't understand you when you're yelling. Mind you, I have never pulled this off. I tend to go at these fuckers head on or just walk out while they're tantruming. I don't recommend that tactic if you don't want to deal with escalation like getting fired or written up. Although I'd argue for walking out right to HR. I have, however, seen these lines delivered beautifully. And I must say, I was deeply impressed. When someone doesn't let the bully get a rise out of them, since that's just what the bully wants, it's a powerful and majestic thing. For when boundaries or no's are ignored and they keep asking, many times I have used, asked and answered, please respect my professional boundaries. Give that one a whirl. Two, the likable bully. This one interrupts constantly. This one interrupts constantly, meetings and one-on-one. But if you calmly say, will you please let me finish what I was saying to you? They often shame cave, i.e. back down, clam up, apologize and accommodate. The likable bully takes up a lot of space in meetings with the amount of talking, interrupting, and speaking with certainty about damn near anything. When someone makes a point at a meeting, often all others will look to the likable bully to confirm whether the point is valid or not. The likable bullies are often in a leadership position of some kind, but their sense of their own authority exceeds their title. The likable bully gets way butthurt when corrected, called out, or disagreed with. And a white woman enabler will often rush in to rescue him in some way. The likable bully denies the concept of privilege while simultaneously benefiting from it. They falsely believe that privilege means they didn't have a hard life, which facilitates their continuous denial of the real definition, that whiteness or maleness ain't one of the factors that made it hard. I chose two majority factors here, but I could have chosen heterosexuality, able-bodiedness, Christianity, and a whole lot of other majority shit. Hashtag check your privilege. What to do? Say your boundaries calmly and courteously if you can. They are approval seekers for the most part, so that will probably work. Sometimes the DBT skill of broken record will work with these folks. Broken record is where you repeat your request or boundary verbatim several times to slow them down and demonstrate that you will not be bullied into submission. Broken record is the shit. I use it constantly. Three, the time bomb. This is the kind of coworker you find yourself avoiding and you can't put your finger on why. I'll tell you why. The time bomb is super angry and though they pretty much keep it together at work and in public, Well, kinda. 
you can feel the hostility, meaning their unacknowledged anger. But you're sure he kicks the dog or punches walls at home. The time bomb is the one doling out all the microaggressions in meetings. Those comments or actions that are subtly and often unintentionally hostile or demeaning to a member of a minority or marginalized group. Remember, lack of empathy. Then, when you call out their behavior, they're real quick to go victim. Well, I guess I can't say anything. Or, I never said I was blank of the year, but I am doing the best I can. They're a real piece of work. Guardians of the fucked up and discriminating status quo. They're a real piece of work. Guardians of the fucked up and discriminating status quo. What to do? I stay far the fuck away from these types, if at all possible. They've got that incel energy that I find repelling and kind of scary. In meetings, I've called out microaggressions and then called out the anger that follows when I called them out. That can work because it is important to the time bomb to keep their shit in check in front of others, particularly professionally. They will find some way to save face and then reconstitute into a fake team player until the next time. Four, the combative apologist. Apologist is a word that has become more frequently used by those fighting rape culture and colonialism, and it means a person who argues in defense of, and therefore in favor of, in my opinion, the controversial thing, usually oppression of some kind. These fuckers get under my skin because they often use contrarianism to appear relevant. You can pretty much predict if you say the sky is blue, they're going to say it's green. You could just Feel it coming as they inhale. Not only that, but... Why they think I give a shit about their opinion remains a mystery to me. The delusion of grandeur plus a dash of entitlement, methinks. What to do? I tend to humor shame the shit out of them. It's so easy because they're pleasers and attention hounds at heart just grabbing up any airtime they can occupy. I might try to get ahead of one of their cliche comments and say it mockingly before or at the same time as them. Not only that, they live on a diet of canned answers, so it gets real easy to predict what they're gonna say if you spend any real time with them. You can also just name the fact that it Seems like you contradict a lot of my points. Why is that? Putting the responsibility back on them sends a message that you're on to them and they could take that shit to someone else. You'll be having none of it here. I do believe that in many I do believe that in many of these cases to say nothing is the same as giving permission. And I think a lot of different kinds of oppression in this country needs change. You may disagree. Then act according to your own values. Reasonable people can disagree. Five, the passive-aggressive Midwestern grandma. 
I've tried to eliminate the relevance of sex and gender in these caricatures, but some of them just play better with one. Plus, it's one of those, I'm from the Midwest so I can tease my people, right? Well, anyway, these boomer ladies come from a more overtly sexist time and have internalized a lot of that sexism. This means they've been taught to bury their anger, and bury they have. These women have decades worth of stuffed anger inside them, and eventually it starts to leak out sideways and through a smile. It's the woman who has everyone over for the holidays, does all the cooking, and then when you're finally getting somewhere calming down somebody else's crying baby, she hits you with a, and she thinks she knows what she's doing. Wait, what? Did she just diss me to the baby? Smiling and in a baby voice? Damn, B, that is some cold shit. I have no idea what just happened or what I did to warrant that. It's the evil genius of the PAMG. It's a complicated combo of not lack of empathy per se. It's more like empathy fatigue that then leads to entitlement to say whatever the fuck they want now. What to do? Not a hell of a lot. These women are unhappy, oppressed, and aren't even fully aware of it. What are you going to do? Kick them when they're down? I feel sad for them, and I'm so goddamn grateful I'm not one of them. I mostly want to change society into a matriarchy in their lifetime so they can have some peace and satisfaction in their golden years. All joking aside, a quiet and earnest, ouch, said to them after they throw a barb at you could let them know you know and prevent them from doing it again, at least to you. Six, the big fish. Grandiosity galore. Hot shit in the tiny town they never leave. Or they move to a big city for a couple of years before settling back down in their hometown. Or they're valedictorian in a graduating class of 60 in a town of 16,000 and now walk around talking down to everyone. You know, since they're obviously so smart. Or maybe they were the prettiest girl in the slaughterhouse town who thinks batting her eye will get you to buy something for her. And she has a gnarly 50th birthday because looks fade. When I lived in Hollywood, the big fish of every small town in America seemed like they waited tables there while waiting for their big break. If a town were a narcissist, it would be named Hollywood. But our country as a whole is not much better. Val. That documentary about the rise and fall of Val Kilmer is number one in America on Netflix today, this Friday the 13th. Not a good sign since it's like art, imitating art, trying to be art. Yikes. Narcy Nightmare. He's a capable enough actor that doesn't accept himself in the Venn diagram, his ordinary parts. The recipe for self-denial, self-loathing, and shame. 
Plus, I think cis men have an unconscious or conscious preoccupation with death, their own mortality and legacy. I always thought that was due to their inability to create life. And then America is this big, dirty voyeur who feeds on the perceived deliciousness of the pathetically tragic and humans willing to humiliate themselves to be famous. Kilmer even commodifies his son, interpersonal exploitation, for the film slash reality show, which I've seen a lot in the last two decades of my work. Parents living through their kids, trying to stay relevant. It's super sad and destructive for all those involved. And I want to help people change this pattern. What to do. The big fish talks mostly shit most of the time. Their stories are few and repeated, and I've never found any reason to argue with them. Your best strategy is to have a line prepared when you run into them in the kitchen at work. A line that will help you extract yourself from being their captive audience again. I don't think the call out or the humor shaming work because they tend to seek attention wherever they can find it. So long as you're talking about them, they are reinforced. Even negative attention will suffice. And I'm right in the middle of that report. Excuse me. Then leave swiftly, regardless of what they say. Pretend you didn't hear them and go. Go like the wind. You could throw them a bone and use their name after the excuse me, and that might soften the blow. Up to you. These are a few of the more obvious acting out behaviors of narcissists at work that are easier to spot. In the next chapter, we will explore some of the more covert behaviors you've encountered, where you didn't like what went down, but you didn't quite know why. Narcissism is a very tricky, complex thing, and it's everywhere, but we still know so little about it. Well, that's changing at least for you, as you continue to read. Onward.